Greetings, welcome, Assalamu alaikum everyone, my name is Saqib, I'm your host and today's podcast is on Erzgul and Ibn Arabi with Dr. Reza Shah Qasmi. We'll be exploring uh, topics from uh, the history of the Ottoman Empire, uh, we'll be dissecting various scenes from Erzgul to look at their spiritual significance and also discuss the relationship of Erdogan with Ibn Arabi. Dr. Reza is uh, a scholar in the field of Islamic studies and comparative religion. He obtained his PhD in comparative religion from the University of Kent. Uh, he's written some phenomenal books, including Justice and Remembrance, Introducing the Spirituality of Imam Ali. He's an advisor on the Hikmah Project. Um, and uh, you can read a more thorough introduction or biography on the website. Before we start today's podcast, uh, we now have Patreon subscriptions if you would like to support this project. And it gives you access to bonus material, transcripts, uh, newsletters, and the opportunity to ask questions to uh, upcoming guests. So, without further ado, here's the podcast. Welcome, Dr. Reza. It's wonderful to have you on our show today. Thank you very much for inviting me, Sakib. It's an honor to be on your Hikmah project, and I really look forward to uh, speaking about this fascinating subject that you have proposed. Dr. Reza, could you make sense of or tell us what you felt when the first scene of the first episode of the first series that uh the, the scene where Wildemir and Ertogol are beating a sword into shape uh and and doing dhikr at the same time what's the spiritual significance of that scene yeah that's a, that's a very good question um i was very very struck by that that this series that lasts for hundreds and hundreds of episodes, I think it's 400 episodes or something, that it should begin the first two minutes of these thousands of hours should begin with um, this scene of the wild demir, as you say, with Ertugrul beating into shape this molten iron to make it into, a, into steel for a sword. And they're doing a kind of dhikr, one of them bashing it and saying something like, Haq Allah, the other one saying, La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. And they're going, doing some kind of dhikr in unison while beating, while hammering this, this sword into shape. And then, as I remember, um, Ertugrul says, when the Waldemir takes the sword away and, and puts it into whatever it is that he puts it into, uh, Ertugrul says, even the sword could not withstand the dhikr of Allah. It had to submit. You see, absolutely full of, of mystical and spiritual and operative significance. What I mean by operative is that the you know, the fundamental core of Sufi practice is the dhikr Allah. And so beating this sword is beating the soul. It's hammering away at the soul with the dhikr 
That's what the dhikr is doing. That's the name of God is doing. Our soul is like that, that steel, that iron that's being, that being hit. The steel is coming out of it. It's being knocked into shape. It hurts. It's painful. But when Ertugrul says that even this inanimate thing, the sword, cannot take the dhikr, even it has to submit, it's a symbol of the way in which we, when we do the dhikr, when we're saying Allah, 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 it's the equivalent of a big hammer coming down on the nafs al-amara, the untamed nafs that needs to be knocked into shape by the nafs al-lawama, the one that's blaming, saying, you know, you should not be doing this, you should be doing that, and you're going to be beaten, but not with any words and any injunctions and any admonitions. You're going to be beaten into shape by one thing and one thing only, the supreme name, the name of God. That will beat you into shape. That will get you into order. That will make you submit. So that submission, that point of surrender, submission, that will make you a Muslim. That will give you the Islam. That gives you the peace of al-nafs al-mutma'inna, the soul at peace in the Lord. That only comes after the nafs al-lawama, the self-accusing, the self-blaming soul, has sufficiently knocked into shape the nafs al-amara so that it submits. I'm just reminded here of something that's relevant to the rest of the, the answer to this question, the rest of the scene from Imam Ali. Alayhi salam wa karramallahu wajhahu. He said that uh, God has made the dhikr Inna Allah ja'ala dhikra jila'an lil qulub. God has made the dhikr a polish for the hearts by means of which they come to see after being blind, hear after being deaf, and yield. They submit, they become pliant after being resistant and rebellious. This is exactly the process that's, uh, that's being described here symbolically through the beating into shape of a sword. Now that sword then becomes what? Dhulfiqar, symbolically speaking. Once it's really knocked into shape, that sword is the, not just the symbol, but it's immediately mentioned by Ertugrul within about 10 seconds of his statement that even the sword has to submit to the divine name. He's presented with a, a wonderful sword by the wild Demir. He unsheathes it. And he looks at it and says, well, mashallah, I wonder how many of the enemy are going to fall. Uh, the, how many of the unrighteous people, the zalim, the tyrants, are going to be felled by this sword? But then what does Ertugrul say? La fata illa ali, la saif illa dhul fiqar. He actually says it the other way around because there are two versions of this hadith. And it's a hadith from the Holy Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said that he heard a voice, a heavenly angel, at the Battle of Uhud, come down when Imam Ali was defending the Prophet against these terrible waves of attacks after the, the uh, cowardice and worldliness of the archers from behind. And they left their positions, wanting the booty prematurely. Khalid ibn Walid wheels around the mountain of Uhud with his troops and comes down from behind. And Imam Ali is one of the great heroes who helps to save the day. 
And it's on that battlefield where the prophet said that he heard an angel, a heavenly voice saying, La fata illa ali, la saif illa dhul There is no chivalric youth, no hero, no young man except Ali, and there is no sword except dhul and sometimes that hadith is the other way around, as it is in Ertugrul, where they said, no, there's no sword, but Imam Ali's sword, Zulfiqar, and there is no youth, no hero, no knight, no chivalrous, chivalrous hero, but Ali. So there you have it, the very beginning of Ertugrul. The whole of these thousands of hours of thrilling entertainment and spiritual upliftment and moral training of the soul, of the character, of marveling at these scenes of incredible courage, of almost superhuman strength, all coming from what? The same faith in God that Ali ibn Abi Talib had that made him the hero par excellence of Islamic society after the Prophet. It was Imam Ali who was the key transmitter, let's say, of the tradition of Futuwa that came right through all of the pre-Islamic religions and particularly emblemized by Abraham, who was the person, the, the prophet, who not only took on the idols and destroyed them, but who was thrown into the fire as a punishment. And the fire was told to become cool for Abraham. So Abraham is known as the sort of founding father of Futuwa. He stands for Futuwa in all the religious traditions, not just the Semitic ones. And Imam Ali is the one who, as it were, concentrates that Futuwa tradition in his own person and then transmits it all the way through so that all these empires, the Ottomans, the Mughals, the Soviet, particularly after the Mongol devastation, all of the Islamic empires were in one way or another reconstituted on the basis of the paradigm of the saintly warrior king philosopher that Ali ibn Abi Talib was. In one way or another, he was at the center of all of their efforts to reconstitute their legitimacy in the post-Mongol period. And that was because in the pre-Mongol period, he was at the heart of the Futuwa tradition, which is mentioned in a later episode. In, in fact, it's when Ertugrul is finally initiated into Futuwa it's the most, one of the most powerful scenes in the whole series, I think, when he's actually initiated, he gets a shirt put on him, he receives the khirqa, the mantle, and he now is, after all those trials and tribulations he's been through, he's finally given the mantle of Futuwa, and he's finally a fata in the line of Imam Ali. And that comes, I can't remember where, season three or season four, it's very, very long way off, but it starts, the seed of that is right there in the first two minutes when he's given, where he gives us this tremendously significant statement. That brings us to the end of this snippet. You can access the full podcast by visiting our Patreon page, where you can also read the full transcript. Um, both are available if you visit our website, thehikmaproject.com.